Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. We are in this series called In the Wild. And the reason why we're in this series is because when I look at the Israelites, they were in a season of being dependent on Yahweh in a hard time. And so you can look at their life of being slaves in Egypt, very hard time. And we have a lot of content on their lives in the wilderness. And so in the wilderness, they needed to behold God's glory in order to be dependent on him. And there's different stories, big epic moments where we see them growing as the people of God in the wilderness. And when I think about the time that we're in right now, I think this is a season where we can either get closer to God or more distant from God because circumstance is hard. And in the wilderness, the people of God got closer to God, went through some ups, went through some downs, went through some trials, but ended up being close, leaning on, being dependent on Yahweh, on God through the wilderness. And so uh, we're taking uh, this series to talk through some of the big stories in Exodus. And so we started off and we talked about the Red Sea and we talked about the miracle of God providing for them so that they could get delivered from Egypt and going through the Red Sea. Uh, and so that was a moment of miracles. And so we talked about God, the miracle working God. And so that was a number of weeks ago. And then we talked about God being our provider. And we talked about how they became dependent on God. And we talked about provision, God providing for you. So God working miraculously in your life, but God also providing. We talked about Yahweh, the providers. We talked about manna and God providing daily. Wow, lots of babies today. Everybody all right? You okay? I'm okay if you're okay. You okay? All right, all of you online with no baby screaming, what's up? Uh, uh, And so then we went after that from um, manna. Then we moved forward and we talked about Exodus 32 and we talked about the crushing of the idol and all of you guys that came and heard a whole sermon about crush your idols, grind it to powder, drink it. Good job because you came to an idol sermon and then you came back for more church. Good job, good job, good job. Uh, That was a seriously strong message about idols. And uh, we talked about the holiness of God and responding to God as a holy God. And then today, uh, I want us just to go one more chapter, and that's Exodus 33, because this is the story of the tent of meeting. And this is the story of really Yahweh showing some kindness, some mercy that's undeserved to the Israelites. And uh, I love this text. It's one of my favorites. It's why we sang, show me your glory, uh, because we're going to talk about Exodus 33 today. Show me your glory. It was the cry that came out of Moses. And where I want to go today is I want to invite you to see a few things. Number one, I want you to see the kindness of God. I want you to see the mercy of God. Number two, I want you to see some of the benefits of the presence of God, of living and dwelling in the presence of God. And then thirdly, I'm going to invite you to see that you too, like Moses, can live like a friend of God. All right, you ready to go there? Can we do it? 
All right, let's pray. Father, we love you today. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that the word of God would come alive in our hearts. And as we just read through Exodus 33, we ask, Lord, that we would not leave here the same. We pray that the word of God like, would take root in our hearts like seeds and it would bear fruit. We ask, Lord, that the principles that we read in Exodus 33 would be principles that we would live. We pray, Lord, that the living word of God would come alive in us, that we would live what we read. We don't want to just learn it with our head. We want it to be in our hearts so that we can make a difference today in Kansas City. God, we honor you. We love you. And everybody said amen. Amen. Exodus 33, verse 1. Here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people, you brought up out of Egypt, which this is just funny because he says, you brought up out of Egypt. And when you read God and Moses, they have this intimate relationship where they keep kind of pointing to each other about your people, your people. And it's, they're back at it in Exodus 33. Uh, if you didn't listen to that last week, go listen to that because that's what we talked about. And they're back at it this week, which I thought was funny. And then he says, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites go to the land flowing with milk and honey. And here it is. But I will not go with you. Hard moment. So here's the promise. You're my covenant people. Hugh, in the last chapter, worshiped a calf, golden calf. He made an idol. Consequence. I'm not going with you. And then he gives the why. Because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. He says, I'm a holy God and you're my people and I made a covenant with you and you're my people, but you're not living up to the 10 commandments. You've actually now made an idol and worshiped the golden calf. And the holy God, Yahweh, is talking about real repercussions from the behavior of the people. I'm just reading the text. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn. Ever been there? I've been there. Mourning. You mean there's ramifications for my disobedience? You mean God's disappointed and there's, we we already experienced some judgment at the end of Exodus 32, but now there's even more. This is so disappointing. I mean, I, I can't believe he's not going to go with us to the promised land. He's going to send an angel. Of course, there's mourning. Oh, the sadness. Oh, the pain. And Exodus 33 starts off so somber. It actually ends with, show me your glory. I mean, it gets good, but it starts hard. There's real ramifications. I was thinking about even this idea of mourning. And putting myself in the text, and I'm imagining I've made the golden calf, and I've worshipped an idol, and now God says, I'm not going. I'll send an angel. You're still going to get the promised land, so you still get the good life. I'm still going to do what I said. Land of milk and honey, you're going to get it. But my tangible presence, me, y'all, I'm not going. I've been in the moments where I've mourned because there's that facing of reality that I sinned, that I fell short. And it's real because the intention is real. The intention, we want to be the covenant people of God. Oh, we shouldn't have made the idol. But now there's a ramification. This is, this, this is really God. This is how it's going to go down. 
Pain, you're not going with us? Imagine that morning. I see it all through the Bible. I see moments when you face the disappointment in your own sin and not, not knowing what's the future look like. I've broken, I've fallen short, I've messed up. And it's easy when you've messed up to just go, I guess I deserve second tier relationship. I'll just settle for the angel taking us. Yep, it's what I deserve. Probably where I should be. I was thinking about this is kind of the idea that Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son because he lives in the father's house and then he chooses to leave the father, go out, spend his father's money on wild living. And then there's kind of this morning moment when he says to himself, how many of my father's hired men have food to eat and here I am starving to death? I'll go back to my father. I'll say, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called the son. I don't, any, I don't get life in the house anymore. Just make me a hired hand. Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called the son. Just make me a hired hand. Second tier, angel only. I'll just, I'll settle for the second tier. This is pain. I think we see it in the life of Peter. Jesus, even if all fall away on account of you, I'll never deny you. You can count on me. What's up? I'm your boy. I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Luke 22, Peter heard the rooster crow and he wept bitterly, mourning. Oh. I think you can even read it in Romans 7 where Paul's going, ah, the things I wanna do, I don't do, and the things I don't wanna do, I do. Oh, who can save me from myself? Ah, have you ever been there? Sang the song, show me your glory. And only to go out and face your own pain of your disappointment, of your behavior. You worshiped an idol again. You denied him again. You ran from the house again. Ugh. And if this Exodus 33 ended here, we'd be like, that's what I deserve. God's kindness may be good enough to just give me that second tier. Give me that angel. Let me live as that hired hand. But Exodus 33 gets really, really good. Because Yahweh's goodness, and that's the phrase that he's going to say to Moses, goodness. Yahweh's goodness, the goodness of God. It's better than you can imagine. All right, I preached my sermon while I was trying to read my text. All right. They began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to him, tell, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you for a moment, I might destroy you. <laughs> I'm so holy, I might destroy you. This is about how big he is. He is an all-consuming fire, right? He is big. He's this fiery God. And if you take a little bit of water and try to put it on the sun, the water goes out in a second. You are like the water. He's like the sun. He's all-consuming. If you would take a little match and put it in the ocean, the ocean would put out the match. He's like the water. You're like, you're like the match. Either way, he's all-consuming. You're small. He says, for me to go with you, I'm so big, I'm so consuming, and you're not measuring up. I might destroy you along the way. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. That made me laugh because that sounds like exactly what I say to my children. <laughs> you broke the rules. I, just go to your room and I will decide what to do with you. You can feel Yahweh. Ah, oh, sorry. 
Not you, Liv, just the others. All right. She's on the front row. Well done, good and faithful child. Well, here's Yahweh. And you can just feel it. Here's the people of God. And I was just thinking if you're having a conversation and you're sitting there and you're looking at this whole storyline that's just taking place and you could have a conversation between two people, you go, is it really true he's not coming with us? He's gonna send an angel. Yeah, but, but he's been so good to us. He led us through the Red Sea. He's a good leader. Yeah. He's provided for us. Yeah. That manna, that water from the rock, that was really cool. Yeah. He's protected us. Do you remember when we saw Pharaoh's chariots go underwater? Ah, I love that day. You remember when we saw God defeat the Amalekites? When Moses raised his hands and Aaron and her were on the mountainside? Oh, he's, he's helped us. He's provided for us. He's led us. And now this is it. This is the deal breaker. We worshiped an idol. So now we, we get the promised land, but we don't get God. That's right. He's not going. And they mourn. Oh, the sadness. And Exodus 33 is the picture of all of us. Because without... Christ, you and I, never measure up. He's a holy God. But the fun part about reading Exodus 33 is that there's this picture of a Moses, a prophet, and he goes before God and he stands on behalf of Yahweh to the people and the people to Yahweh and he stands between them. It's this beautiful picture because you and I, we have Jesus And Jesus goes before the Father on the cross and he makes a way for you even though your own behavior could never measure up. And Exodus 33 is this picture where we see surely God, surely God in his infinite kindness isn't done with these people. And he sees Moses and he looks at Moses and he likes Moses. He's proud of Moses and Moses Moses, this prophet, leads the people where they get the benefits of Moses' relationship with God. And you and I, we get the benefit of what Jesus did on the cross. And we sometimes, when we grow up in church, it's just so easy for us just to take it lightly. But imagine yourself in that moment in the wilderness and imagine you're in your own wilderness and without Christ, I mean, it's ashes. And I love this picture because now Moses steps onto the scene and Moses talks to God. And I just want you to listen to this man in the middle, this man, Moses, look at the story. He said, now Moses went, used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. 
So it's interesting because just picture yourself as one of the Israelites watching that story. Okay, so we've received word. He's not coming. But now Moses is going to go. He goes outside the camp and he's having conversation with Yahweh. And I was just thinking about watching that moment. Like think of it like an amphitheater. Have you ever been to an amphitheater? When I was a kid, I used to go to the amphitheater to watch the uh, play Oklahoma, right? Did you ever do that? Like go to an amphitheater where you watch something and so you're sitting outside and you're seeing something epic. This is amphitheater like on steroids. This is incredible because here's the watching. And if you could just get a front row seat to watching the pillar of cloud descend on Moses communicating with God, it makes, all entertainment pales. I mean, you're literally going, God talking to Moses, Moses talking to God. And that's what they're watching right here. I was just thinking about even this, where I'm going to go today is I'm going to challenge you to spend time alone with God. Like Moses left, went outside the camp to spend time alone with God. Now I was just thinking about if you were to tell an Israelite about how we now, according to Hebrews, we can access the throne of grace, how we can spend time alone with God and how now we have open, I mean, veil ripped open and we can be with God. And you were to tell them, oh yeah, but in 2020, we don't do it because we don't like to read. Oh no, we like ESPN. Oh no, we like to look at stocks. Oh no, we don't spend time with God because... It's too hard. And they're sitting there watching pillar of cloud. They're still there watching Moses be with God. I think it might rearrange our perspective to go, maybe we should approach the throne of grace with boldness. Maybe we should go outside the camp and take some time to be with God. And if you listen to this relationship, listen to the prayer. So now we get into the actual prayer. I just want you to see some of the benefits of being in his presence. I mean, because being in his presence, these presence dynamics are true for us today. Not just here, but we can take these ideas in Exodus 33. And these are some of the benefits that we receive by virtue of being with God today. Look at this. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and can continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. There it is, just throwing it out there. He says it over and over again. And here's some of the benefits of the presence of God. Look at this, he says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Doesn't this remind you of Jesus? All you who are weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. Maybe you're in a global pandemic right now and you think maybe I've got a great plan. I'm in a global plan pandemic right now and I've got a great bank account. I, I, I'm in a great uh, pandemic that's just so hard and challenging and, and I've got a great personality. I, I, I've got, and then you just face the disappointment, the challenge just keeps going. And at some point you go, it's actually in your presence that I find rest. I'm actually on the never ending economic treadmill, people-pleasing treadmill, make everything okay with my to-do list treadmill. But when you get into the presence of God, your circumstance might not change, but who you are changes because you find rest. Ah, come to me, all who are weary, that you might find rest. You can put the word right here. You might find peace, contentment. You wanna talk about one of the benefits of being with God? 
I'd encourage you, get alone with God and you'll find rest. Verse 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Second thing I see in this is that the presence of God is Moses' priority. If your your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. I mean, you and I, we go, oh, I got too much to do. But Moses goes, I don't want the promised land if you're not with me. I'd rather be in the wilderness with you than in good circumstance without you. You feel this lion intercession coming out of Moses, getting raw and real. God, I know you said, angel, I'm asking for more. I want you. I already said angel. Come on. I know you're good. God, I've watched you take care of us like we were infants. God, I watched the people scream to go back to Egypt and you showed kindness. You still opened up the sea. Come on. And Moses goes, I, I do not, I, I don't want to be in the promised land with the angels. Not, I want your presence. I need you. I'm ruined for your presence. Your presence is what I love. Have you ever been ruined? Like I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm, this is, this has ruined me. I've experienced it, something that's so much better. I don't want to go back. Before our family moved to Kansas City, uh, we got addicted to Dickie's Barbecue in Colorado because Dickie's Barbecue had uh, kids eat free, which made it our favorite place. And we had so many little kids. And so we always loved Dickie's Barbecue. And when we moved to Kansas City, when we first got here, our first few weeks, we went to Dickie's Barbecue until we experienced Joe's. Once we experience Joe's, we're ruined. Ain't no chance we're going back to Diggies. Uh-uh. It might be your favorite, but it's not our favorite anymore. In Kansas City, there's one thing we got going really, really well. It's barbecue, and we're ruined. We're not going back to Diggies Barbecue. Why? Because we have tasted the surpassing greatness of Joe's. For whose sake we have lost all Diggies Barbecue. Thank you, bro. Yeah, that's what Moses is saying. He's going, I, 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 don't, I don't want milk and honey in the promised land without you. I've, I've tasted and seen that you're good. I want you. This whole thing is you. I like you. And you know people that they love to use God to get the good life. And God is just my means to accomplish my end. I want the promised land. What do I got to do for God in order to get the good, good life? But that's not the beauty of Christianity. Christianity is, no, I've grown dependent on you. I've seen you do miracles. You've protected me. You've provided for me. You're my friend. I want you more than I want the promised land. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, I like God more than I like the milk and honey. And he goes, you're my, the presence of God is my priority. Ah, presence of God brings rest. Presence of God is my priority. Let's keep going. And then he says this in verse, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Now he's talking about others and he says, the presence of God is what marks us. It's what distinguishes us. It makes us distinct. It makes us unique. So we as the people of God, what makes us unique? It's our Christian t-shirts. 
what we do and what we don't do? Or could it be, could it be it's not just what we're against, it's who we know? Could it be that people get around you and they go, what is with you? There is moves of God swirling around your life. There's the activity of God. There's divine coincidences every day in your life. I want what you have because of who you know. You've been, ah. That's what Moses is saying here. He's saying, if we don't have you, we're just like everybody else. And we're supposed to be blessed to be a blessing. And what lets them know that we are different is not what we have. It's who we know. God, relationship with you is our core identity and it identifies us with you. It differentiates us from everybody else. And so your best thing with reaching people is not you, it's God through you. I know, but I'm really talented. Shut up. No, I'm really smart. Eh. But you've been with God and they see God in you, it differentiates you. People don't need you, they need God. God in you, Woo, that makes you distinct. It differentiates you, makes you unique. It's one of the benefits of being in his presence. You get in his presence, you'll find rest and peace. You get in his presence and you'll start to recognize, this is my favorite place. Did you hear that new Carrie Job song? It's my favorite place. I love that song, I can't sing it. Nathan's laughing at me right now. Dawson and I, we just keep hitting replay on it. Your presence, it's my favorite place, right? That's this idea right here. It's my favorite place. It's my, it's, I'd love to be in the presence. Oh, did we sing that song? Is that the same song we sang last week? Oh, it is the same song. It's the same song we sang. It's my favorite place, right? Well, I love it. I love to be with God. Listen, I know that this counterculture, our, our culture's favorite place is to be in the jacuzzi. Our, our the favorite place is to be full of steak and potatoes. It's to have a big bank account. It's to have really skinny jeans and it'll look really cool. There's a lot of favorite places in our culture, but the mark of the Christ follower is... <laughs> Sorry. And I've been with God. It's my favorite place. I'm telling you, it's not theoretical. It's not just for Moses, it's for you. It's possible. Because you, you know it's possible because you've seen people that have lived there. I got a couple friends in my life. I get around them and I just go, oh, I feel like I need to mourn. I don't know God like you know God. All right, one more. This is the last one we'll give you. Because then Moses, in his presence, you get spiritual hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do this very thing because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. What? So in the presence of God, Moses gets what he requested, but it's not enough. He leverages the yes for a double yes. Oh yeah, you're gonna give me that? You're gonna go with us? Show me your glory. Moses gets crazy right here. This is, I'm gonna take what you've given me and I'm gonna leverage it for more. And you've seen this in people and you call them weird, God calls them friends. Because we go, that person's nuts. That person makes decisions to constantly leave culture to go be alone with God. They've gone cray cray. God goes, I love to show my glory to people that are desperate. You're gonna answer my prayer? 
I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask again. I'm gonna ask for more. I'm gonna ask to see God. I want a revelation from the word. I wanna, you, you, I've had the grace to fast a little. I want the grace to fast some more. I've got a little bit of revelation on the scriptures. I'm gonna ask for more. I, I, I want to see you. I want your, and you see, have you ever seen this? Ever seen this in the kind of people it feels like they're always just filling up their cars with worship songs and their earbuds are always filled with worship songs and they cry all the time and they, they got vision. They're talking about people that they're trying to reach and they're, yeah, it's, it's this all consuming. How do you get that? They've been with God. Oh, there's benefits of being with God. I mean, the presence of God transforms and changes and God calls Moses a friend. He talks to him like face to face, like he talks to a friend. What would it look like if you spent enough time in the presence of God that you thought of yourself as a friend of God? Because what does Moses do to be a friend of God? Well, one of the things Moses does is he makes space. He makes time to talk to God. I was thinking about this with my friendships, right? Like the friends that I have right now. And what I've noticed is that it takes me spending time with my friends to maintain that friendship, right? Like if you just, if I just don't talk to them, it just kind of dies, right? Like right now, I, I don't have any current friends from my childhood, even though I had really good friends in my childhood. I don't have any that are still, I mean, I have my siblings, but that's different, that's family. I'm talking about like that I've maintained, zero. If I was thinking about my teenage years, I think probably right now I have kind of like a, semi-good friend, like talk very occasionally, but no one really close. I've maintained one friendship really close from my 20s, and I've got two or three from my 30s. Here's my point. Why? Because each friendship takes time. I've got limited capacity, right? Here's the reality. For you to have this friendship with God, it takes time. It takes leaving, leaving the camp, going out, Going into the, and being with God and spending time with him. And I want to invite you just to think, what would it look like? What would it look like for you to go, I, I want this in my life. I'm going to spend time with God. It's not going to just be theoretical. I remember, I've told you this before, but I spent 20 years working with youth and young adult ministry before we started Radiant Church. And one time this uh, uh, young adult came forward and he said, David, I have a question. And I said, okay, I got an answer. And he said, I think your answer is going to be, uh, I need to just go spend time with God. And I said, probably. And he said, you know what? That is the answer. See you later. And he walked away. (laughs) And I just want to encourage you as a part of this church, you know how often the answer is not give me a specialist that can give me a practical answer to my problem and how much of it's relational that if you just be with God, you'd be surprised how much God would lead you how you can get your own answers from your own friendship with God. I was just thinking, but if you don't spend time with God, you'll never, you'll never tremble at the word of God if you don't read the word of God. You, you, you'll never speak the word of God if you don't take time to hear the word of God. And so I wanna invite you just, just one more time, just get with him like Moses. Moses spent time with him. Another thing that I see in Moses' friendship with God is Moses has like raw conversation with God. I mean like gritty, real conversation. He says things like, hey, you said, but I don't see. What's the story? 
You said these are your people. Hey. And when you read even here in Exodus 33, it's not just a monologue from Moses. It's Moses listening to what God has to say. And then Moses talking back, God talking back, Moses talking back, God talking back. And that's true of every friendship. Like think about your close friends. A, you spend time with them, right? If you don't hang with them over time, you lose connection. And two, you talk at a heart level. If you don't talk at a heart level, it's not a very good friend. I was thinking about two friends of mine. They're going to go unnamed because this is a very mean illustration. But I have one friend that every time he calls me, I can literally just set my phone down, press mute, and, and work on something else because he's just a straight monologuer. And he tells me about his business and he tells me, don't worry, it's none of you, all right? This is a friend from like 10 years ago, Right? And Fernando walks in and I'm on the phone with that guy. It's kind of a distant friendship because this guy is a monologue talking machine, right? You know my enjoyment level of that friendship? Low. Straight up. I mean, it's just him. He don't know me. I just know him. Oh, you think I'm mean? Think about it. Think about your friends. I'm, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking like 80-20. I'm talking 99% of the time. 1%. Here's what I say. Sup. See ya. I mean, you know, a couple yeah. That's it. All him. But I got another friend. He calls me. He's a pastor. He asks me some hard questions. He cares about some deep issues in my life. And when I talk to him, it's, Vulnerable revelation from me, vulnerable revelation from him, vulnerable revelation from me, him, back and forth. It's dialogue. And I guarantee you, Renata, if she walks in, she can tell the difference between when I'm talking to both these friends I made back in Colorado about 10, 15 years ago. One of them I'm extremely close to. We talk all the time. And there is a friendship factor that's deep and enjoyable. And the other one has faded. I'll tolerate because he's aggressive and he refuses to let this friendship die. And I, yeah, I'll tolerate it. I just press mute, bam, pick somebody up on the waiver wire. You know, like I got something else to do while I'm talking to you. Here's my point. When you think about your friendships with God, let me tell you, you know what we often do? And this and this and this. But you want a close friendship with God? Close friendship looks like this. Talk, listen, talk, listen, talk, listen. Don't be ramble man. Be revelation, revelation. I listen, I talk, I give revelation, I listen. Does that make sense? Ramble man is easy. That's what I'm calling my friend. (laughs) But my close friend he hears the depths of what's going on inside of my life. And I end up hearing the depths of what's going on in his life. And I think about like, even in my time alone with God, I don't just like, I don't just like tell God everything and just be done. If I don't stop and listen for me, and I've told you this before, but in my journal, I like to just write out what God's saying back to me. So I'll write a scripture. I'll write what I sense the Holy Spirit is saying, how I can apply things to my life. And that's what I see with Moses. 
I see Moses having a real raw conversation. Hey, never forget, these are your people. Angel, we want your presence. Come on, I can't live without your presence. Okay, fine, I'll give you my presence. Okay, great, show me your glory. (laughs) It's raw, it's real, it's intimate, it's deep. You wanna be a friend of God? Don't settle for monologue, go dialogue. Go conversation, go back and forth. That's what real friends look like. All right, last one is this. In a friendship where you know, imagine, we know like when you have a good friend and you're, you're never gonna be like best friends with somebody who's a bad person, right? Because you just, you'll separate yourself. So they have some level of goodness if you're making them their, your friend. Imagine having a friend, God said to Moses, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now, I just want you to know, if you're Moses and you see the goodness of God, It is hard to talk Moses out of how good God is. He's been with him. He's seen him. He knows in action and in the tent of meeting, he knows God is good. You can't talk Moses out of the goodness of God. And when you have a consistent friendship with somebody, same thing. Like I was thinking about with Nathan, all right? If you were to tell me, hey, guess what? Friday night, I saw Nathan at 135th in Antioch and he was smashing pumpkins on cars. He was drunk and he was kicking puppies at midnight. <laughs> it's gonna be really hard to convince me that story. Why? Because Nathan is the most disciplined man I've ever known. Nathan organizes his tasks by numbers. Nathan doesn't like take a call after a certain time. Nathan has everything set. Nathan is so kind, he would never hurt anyone, especially a puppy. Nathan won't smash pumpkins. He's very frugal. Like I'm telling you, I know Nathan extremely well. And because my relationship with Nathan is thick, you can bring an accusation about what you think about Nathan and it's gonna be hard to convince me because my relationship, my friendship with Nathan caused me to believe something different. And so when you've been with God and you've seen the goodness of God, man, people come up to you and they're like, man, God is unfaithful. God is not good. God is unkind. God is filling the blank. And it is pretty hard to convince Moses that God is not good. And when you've been with God, when he's your friend and you've seen him in the secret place and you're able to verbalize how he's been good before, then it's a song coming out of your heart and you are good, good, Oh yeah, right? I have lived uh, in the goodness of God, right? Friendship with God is possible in 2020. Friendship with God is available to people right now. We make choice each day. Will we be a friend of God or will we live at a distance? Duh. Too hard, too much. The enemy wants to try to get you to stop right here early on in Exodus 33. I'm too messed up. Tell you what, and this is what I sense. Sometimes when I have coffee, specifically with men, I hear this kind of language. Not that I have coffee with women. That's a weird thing. Uh, when I, I hear a lot of dudes talk this way, where they'll say, I just, I just feel like I'm not one of those radical for God type people. Like, I just, I'm gonna settle in this kind of second tier. I still believe in heaven, still believe in salvation. I'll still get heaven, but I don't know about that close friendship. And I wanna invite you to get locked in on Jesus. If you'll get locked in on who Jesus is and that Jesus is the greater Moses, 
who went before the Father on a cross and took on the sin of humanity and represented mankind to the Father and paid the price that you owed and created a way for you to have access to intimate friendship with God, then your great privilege is not to define your life based upon your behavior. I made an idol, I denied him, I can't quit. But to define your life, not by behavior, but by Christ and by the mercy and the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And when you find that in Jesus, it gives you access and you go, I am a friend of God. I don't know why I always sing old songs. It's just what I do. You don't know that Michael Gunger song? He calls me friend. That's what I want for us today. I want you to call him friend. I want you to define your life, not on your behavior, but on Christ. Will you stand with me? Let's pray together. Just place your hand on your heart. Father, we ask that we would be friends of God. I ask, Lord Jesus, that we would not define our lives based upon our works, but based upon the goodness of God and the mercy we have experienced in Christ. And we look at our lives through the lens of the cross, not through our behavior. And so today, Lord Jesus, we ask, come. Help us be friends of God. Help us be intimate, relational friends of God. Would you just take a moment and just a 10 second prayer? God, I wanna be your friend. Thank you for Jesus. Will you take 10 more seconds and just, just whisper to God time and a place for you to create your tent of meeting, your alone time with God. If you're here today and you thought eternal life comes from your behavior, your works, your ability to do the right thing, I have good news for you. You can have relationship with God. You can enter into eternity with God, not based upon your own merit, but based upon who Jesus is. And Jesus, he stood between man and the Father. And Jesus provides a way for you to have eternal life. He went to a cross. So it's not your goodness, it's his. It's his goodness, his perfection that gets you in. If you want a relationship with Jesus today, I just wanna invite you just to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. I surrender all, you can have it all. Change me. Give me new life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.